Hello and welcome to the final episode of A Chat with Pat for 2020. I welcome Sean Dykoff. Sean is an absolute legend. Um, he opened the Accelerate Strength Gym uh, based up in New South Wales around Sydney um, following leaving the ADF and pouring all his life savings into something he always wanted to do and love, which was fitness. Sean talks about his time in the ADF and the lessons that he learned and he delves into some of the lessons he learned about going into business and taking some risk and a whole other, lot of other things with myself. I really love Sean. He's a great guy. He's knowledgeable. Um, he really gets after it and I love it. And I think there's a few clear messages in this that everyone could take away. Sean, I really thank you for your time um, and giving up the space for in, in your busy schedule for chatting to me. On another note, I want to thank everyone for the wonderful 2020. It's been tough. We've all hung in there. We've had some tough times, had it up and down, ups and downs. But for me personally, you guys have made my 2020 a whole lot better. Um, this project wouldn't be anything without you guys. So please continue to give some feedback to Michael and myself and like, subscribe, talk about it. Give me some feedback. Do whatever you want to do about the, the podcast itself. Um, I'm always free to chat and pretty contactable. So, guys, it really means a ball in my heart. I appreciate all your support. Continue to have a safe, happy time with each other, especially this time of year. We all deserve to kick the feet up and take in uh, this Christmas time and really embrace the time with our people we love close. Um, so, yeah, on another, on, you really enjoy this episode. I love you all, guys. Keep an eye out on the podcast page, on Instagram, wherever. This definitely isn't the end. It's just the start. Um, it's been a wonderful year. Thank you. Introducing Sean Dykoff. Dykov, welcome to a chat with Pat again, mate. Thank you. No dramas, mate. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thought I'd return the favour after you guys having me on your show and your podcast. Yeah, it's a little while back now. I can't remember yeah. the episodes ago, but um, <laughs> yeah, we, we've got around to having a chat, so we're good to go. <laughs> Finally got there. Yeah, I remember that one. We were, I reckon we were in the middle of lockdown here, so yeah. Yeah, Mel- Melbourne was right in the middle of it. I think... Um, it's actually been performing quite well, that one, because it was a bit about mental health and yeah. and uh, your work with social work and stuff. So it was, um, yeah, it was quite well received at that point in time because I think it was a, a bit of a topic of discussion for a lot of people being in lockdown. So it was pretty timely, I would yeah. say. <laughs> oh, that's good, yeah. Well, that's good to hear, mate. That's good to hear. So, yes, owner of Accelerate Strength Gym uh, over in New South Wales. And yep. all that, mate. Uh, for the listeners, you actually spent some time in the army. Would you like to enlighten how that kind of started getting into the army and why you did that, and then the bridge that crossed into the fitness industry? I guess. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it it started uh, when I like was sort of leaving high school. I'd always been a, like really sporty kid, and um, you know, 
wasn't getting the best grades. Like I was getting, you know, sort of B's and stuff like that, the odd A in, you know, health and phys ed and that type of subject, um, yeah. or even like uh, metalwork and woodwork and stuff, I'd be getting high marks. Um, and uh, yeah, I just had this thing in my head that I wanted to get a job when I left school. Like I, I needed to have some sort of, you know, gainful employment when I left so that I had something to fall straight into. And something that involved a bit of physical and a bit of, you know, smarts as well. Because I, although I didn't apply myself, like I think I was quite, quite good at school, but I, you know, the distractions and whatnot and, you know, girls and sport and all that type of stuff <laughs> took me away. But um, yeah, I went to, I went to the head office for uh, Energex, which is the, the main supplier of um, electricity in Queensland. And I went through all the aptitude testing and stuff and, got accepted for a job as a lines person with them and um then at the last minute at the you know 11 59 p.m before the door shut at 12 they go oh mate um you're actually 17 uh we can't hire people on this at 18 so you're gonna have to come back next year after you finish school and, and go again and i thought you bunch of bloody clowns like what, what have you done that to me you made me do all this aptitude testing and all these other things and you got me a job and then you said no um, and so it turns out that the defense force recruiting was straight across the road. So I walked out, you know, a little bit, uh, unhappy with my, uh, application process with these guys and, um, the military guys are, you know, holding their signs up, like, come and see the world and come and join us and you'll see the hey, world. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I've walked into there and, um, yeah, they, they told me that I could become a, an aircraft maintenance engineer based on my grades and. Uh, the things that I could do, uh, I obviously wasn't smart enough to be a pilot. They didn't take me in as that. Um, although I didn't really apply for that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's the that was the starting point. And, and from there, you know, once I did all their testing and stuff and um, went down and did the um, recruit training and whatnot, did the, the three months of sort of hellish stuff of swimming in cold water and um, shooting guns and learning all the, the ropes, uh, I ended up going to Wagga and... Um, and doing 18 months out there learning how to fix helicopters with a there was a navy army air force base out there that they taught you all that stuff and um yeah did my training uh once training finished up i got posted to uh hms albatross and that's where i did my uh, most of my career there and and worked there as a um uh, in the navy and then once i left the navy i went and worked for the army as a contractor up in sydney and met my business partner there and um in, I, th I want to say it was like 2009, 2010, as I was sort of almost transitioning out of the military that a few friends had just come back from, uh, from the States and they'd done a bit of work with the Navy SEALs and um, the Navy SEALs were doing this thing called CrossFit. And I was like, you know, I was a little bit intrigued by it. And I saw the workouts they were doing, like flailing around on the pull-up bar and, and throwing a medicine ball up against the wall and that type of thing. And um, I just saw the results that they got from it and I went, holy shit, that looks actually really good. It looks more fun. Um, it's a bit more of an environment, like a team sport because you're all doing the workout together and you get a bunch of you doing it together. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know, I'll give this a crack and, and see what happens. So that's my first little foray into it. And um, yeah, from there, just sort of fell in love with it more and more. And um, I was fortunate enough, you know, just before the transition to Sydney happened, um, still living down in, in Jervis Bay or, or Narraway, um, that a friend of mine who I worked with, he actually started a gym down there, CrossFit Jervis Bay. 
And um, so I got to help him coach and, and learn the ropes of coaching as I was had my career in the military and um, and then later as a contractor. So I had a you know, good full-time employment and I'd just do a night shift down there and, and help them out. And um, that's that's how I got started with coaching and really loved it. I loved sharing the fact that uh, the training that I was doing was getting me amazing results in terms of, you know, physically, you know, had a six pack and big guns and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but also the confidence and stuff that it bred in people and, and changed the way that they looked at fitness and their own ability and the things that they thought were they were capable of. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a bit of a background. Um, and then you sort of fast forwarded a few years later, um, I was... Um, as I said before, like contracting to the army up at, at Holsworthy, which is the, the base that they fly the Blackhawks out of in Sydney. And, and they do a lot of the, the flying in between buildings and counterterrorism stuff up in Sydney. Um, they're copying a bit of a bad name in the press at the moment over some um, people doing some, some wrong things overseas, which is, which is not good. Um, but, a, you know, a few bad apples have obviously ruined that bunch. Um, but yeah, through, through that, I, I met my business partner, Matt, who, um, we spoke with on our podcast and, um, we both just really love that training style and we're both naive and silly enough to, um, you know, want to throw our life savings, me in my late-ish twenties, like 26, 27, um, wanting to open my own business and him being just over 30. So he probably should have known better than to trust a, a 20 something <laughs> with his life savings and, and start a gym. But um, yeah, so so we got the gym going. Uh, it's almost like seven years ago now, um, but probably like eight years ago. If you if you talk about all the planning and stuff that went into it to get started, and um, yeah, we've grown from a um, from originally being called uh, CrossFit Agilis, that's our affiliate name, to uh, now rebranding. Um, before it was cool and everyone hated Greg Glassman and wanted to change their <laughs> yeah. name from CrossFit to something else. We did it about three years ago and um, just for purely marketing purposes and, and the demographic and, and niche that we're in, in our, in our suburb and, and um, area in, in Balmain in Sydney. And um, yeah, we've just gone from strength to strength. So um, yeah, a bit long winded, but that's, that's sort of how <laughs> that's we, that's sort of how, that's how we got to sort of where we are now. I want to definitely pick a part in between of what you just explained, but going back yeah. to just give a bit of insight to the listeners in those tough three months of training that you mentioned, what would be a normal day for you? Like, what for you guys? In oh. <laughs> not just mental um, tests. I mean, not just physical tests, but mental tests as well. Yeah, it's funny. There was that's the thing. There was no ordinary day. Like it was yeah. always different and and weird. Um, but just just in general, like a um, just one day that I, I vividly remember was waking up at 3.50 a.m. to a fire alarm and um, everyone running downstairs. And um, because, of the, um, because of the cleanliness and standards you had to keep your room to, a lot of people chose to not sleep under the covers of their beds um, because we had to have it ironed and folded and pressed and hospital corners at 45 degrees and all this stuff. Like Beds had to be pristine as well as uniforms and whatnot. Um, but I, I just remember this one guy, uh, his name was Dean and he just always loved to sleep under his blankets and he'd get up earlier than everyone else and just iron it because he just loved the comfort of sleeping under the sheets. And when this fire alarm went off, he was in a, a top bunk, you know, just over from me, there was six of us in a room and, and he's tried to jump out of bed but because his bed was so tight and ironed down, his legs got stuck and he fell face first off the bunk. 
that we've all come down out of a fire alarm at 3.50 a.m. and he's just got blood pouring out of his nose because he's fallen face first off the top bunk. But, um, yeah, that, that's digressing from the from a normal day. But that's, <laughs> that's how that day started. And, and from there, it was like um, marching and then learning the skills of a, a sailor, like tying knots and shooting guns and... Um, the physical training was a, uh, that was probably the, the bit that most people see, right? Like the, yeah. um, either the marching where everyone's going left, right, left, right. Or, um, or doing some sort of physical training that's really grueling. Um, I found um, it's not quite like the movies. I, I found it different in a sense that um, they don't physically test you that hard. Um, being a 17, 18 year old, I was actually probably one of the fitter people there. Mm. It was more the mental toughness that they build in you because the the test itself or the the thing that we did that day was maybe a 5k run which everyone can do but they didn't tell you how long the run was going to be before we started they told us to grab a rope called big bertha which was like the thickness of my head and there's 20 of you carrying a 100 kilo rope um you know along for this 5k run and the whole time everyone's asking oh where are we going where do we turn around where do we stop and they wouldn't tell you anything they'd just say keep running we're just going to keep running so you don't know in your head how fast you have to go and how long you're pacing for and all these things. So um, if you were one of the fitter ones, which I was fortunate enough to be, it's not too hard because you're just slowing down to what the, um, you know, for, for lack of a better term, the weaker or slower people can do um, because you're a team and you have to all work together to get the task done. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's just one example. Um, there, there was lots of others like obstacle courses and stuff that we do and, and mud runs and things like that. Um, but yeah, it'd be early wake up, some sort of physical test during the day. Um, yeah, learning the skills of a, a sailor, um, and and yeah, some sort of like mental test with that. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever have a moment or a time or space in that time where you thought stuff is? And was there any different <laughs> at all? <laughs> uh, the one of the harder bits was probably um, uh, like I was a bit homesick. Um, yeah. like I, I missed my mum and my family and stuff and and that was that was quite tough you know being a 17 year old relying on your parents a lot and then not having them there was was quite hard yeah um but um it was, it was a cool adventure like I I just really enjoyed it 17 18 year old like I was meeting people who were 25 27 who'd had careers and other things and and left and you know they're in this with me and it was a, a good place to form some really good friendships with people and um, you could confide in some of the older guys. Like I'm still friends with a lot of the guys that I went through the, the recruit training with. Um, but I don't, I don't think there was a, a specific time where I was like, oh, stuff this, I'm out of here type thing. Um, they did give you options to, to leave. Um, I, I remember you could take uh, what was called day 64. Yeah. Um, and if you wanted to get out, you could like essentially ring the bell or whatever. And, and on day 64, you didn't have to go anymore, but you didn't have to stay you could just bang out with no repercussions. But if you stayed on past that, you knew that you were you're in it for good. The, the SAS and stuff do a, a different version where they, well, there's some sort of test that people would see on, on the internet or whatever that they, um, once they get to a certain time, they can bail out if they want to. And um, yeah, but I, I never had that. Um, the Yeah, there were guys that took it though. There were guys yeah. that left. Um, whether for physical reasons or, or mentally it was too taxing for them. I think the, the big thing in that time for me was um, 
like I just thought of it as a really big game and I was fortunate enough to see it as that. And I knew, I expected every time we did something, they'd tell us it was wrong and we'd have to do it again or they wouldn't tell us how far we had to run or they wouldn't tell us when we would eat dinner or like I just knew they'd do it and I'd just laugh <laughs> again. Like really guys, like you're going to use that trick again, like not tell us when dinner is or not do this. Like um, the, the ones who didn't see it like that felt really hard done by and took it to heart personally yeah, and they, so they were the ones like that driven. yeah 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 they crumbled a bit more than others so yeah yeah what did your parents think when you first when you first said as 17 or 17 18 year old you come home and you're like uh, i'm supposed to go to this place as a job i'm at going on defense force <laughs> I, I don't actually i don't actually remember my mum's reaction because yeah. i in queensland uh it's where which is where i grew up it's a it's a little different to New South Wales and Melbourne uh, in terms like just what the, the score is called. In, instead of it in New South Wales, it's the HSC. Uh, in Queensland, uh, it's called an OP score. Yeah. So it's your overall position. I'm, I'm not sure about Victoria. But um, yeah, as I was going through all... Yeah, so yeah, same thing. So as I'm going through that, um, I sort of found out that I had this job uh, just before that sort of all came to, you know, all the and stuff and sitting down in the hall and doing the exams so I knew I had a job um mum tried to push me not to you know slack off in the exams and stuff and, and be a you know a bit of a larrikin but I took them somewhat serious but I didn't score the best in that which I think uh was good and bad uh, good in the way that um it didn't give me any fallback options like I couldn't say like oh if the navy doesn't work out like I'll go do this thing or if, if that thing doesn't work, then I can just fall back and do, you know, like medicine at um, medicine school or whatever, or uni. Um, so it was good in that sense. But um, my, uh, like I grew up with my stepdad and my mum and my stepdad's dad, uh, he was a, a Vietnam vet. So he was really proud and like, he was really happy and stoked that I was going to do it. And he sort of gave, he was one of those older guys who doesn't really say much, but when he knew that I was joining the Navy, he had a lot to say to me. Um, like a bit of a newfound respect for a young guy who's, you know, going to go into that. Yeah. And my, my stepdad is, he's been in the police for about 30 years now. So he has been part of a service to the community in, in some way for a pretty long time. So he was pretty happy and proud as well when I, when I went and did that. So I'm not sure what mum thought. She was probably nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she might, if she listens to this, she might have to just let us know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she, she, she was obviously proud of what I did, but, um, she came down and watched me march out and do all that stuff. So that was really cool for her to come down and, and see that. So that was brought a bit of a tear to the eye, I guess, when she saw that. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> now, fast yeah. forward, and then you finished up your time in the Defence Force. Um, were you fixated on getting into CrossFit as much as you are now? Like, when you look back, did you think it was going to turn out this way or was it just kind of like one thing turned into another and that passion grew? Yeah, so fixated as in um, opening like, a business and yeah, in doing that. Yeah, just kind of when you met Maddie. Uh that's a, that's a really good question. So, I guess when I first started doing it, I really, uh, I really enjoyed coaching it to other people and just showing other people what they could do and what they could achieve through doing this style of training and, and what it could do for their body and their mindset. Um, and then that just sort of led to you know, just talking about it more and seeing other people open gyms and you go and train at a few gyms and, and just like any business starts, really, you, you look at the things that they do and you go, oh, I could do that better. 
and uh, yeah. you know that's you know bloody hell why are they doing it that way like that's dumb like I'll do this way better than them so you know little do you realize that it's actually much harder than just what you see on the face of it it's actually is running a real business at the end of the day um, so yeah I guess there was a bit of um, like a bit of an evolution to get to that stage really enjoyed the training really enjoyed teaching other people really thought I could make a viable go of this um, met the right person at the right time who had a similar naive mindset um, <laughs> to sort of float on and on. And, and um, yeah, here we are, like, you know, signing up for leases of like 15 years in commercial spaces and putting ourselves as guarantors and all this sort of stuff. So, it's, um, you know, balls are fully on the chopping block. And, um, <laughs> you don't really think about that when you first get into it. But, um, yeah, that's where it's gotten us. So Yeah, you're totally right. Like people miss that business hot the business side behind the scenes the scope with yeah. it. like um to like you and maddie who had no really any business experience before and going all in zero, zero. it's just <laughs> you know and you add that on top of it it's just you know even more amazing mm. yeah. it's uh yeah definitely it, it's definitely worked out a lot better than what we thought it would like initially the plans were like you know, we need 26 members to cover costs. And once we have 26 members, we'll be sweet because then everything on top of that is what we get paid. Yeah. And then once you do that, you realise that, oh, shit, all the admin that goes along with that, we need another 20 members to pay an admin person or to pay a coach so I can be the admin person. And then once that comes about, there's even more admin. And then once there's more admin and back-end work, then there's, you know, more churn of members over time, which means you have to market more and, yeah, just each level, it just gets more and more and more. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no real, there's no real stagnation in it because either um, one thing we've figured out is you're either growing or you're dying in business. So there's no real point where you're just at a dead stop. I think if you reach that point, you you gotta have a look at yourself and and say like, am I gonna try and push this forward or at least try and drive it forwards a little slowly, a little more slowly, or am I gonna just let it decline and and decay and die? Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I had a guest, and I've had talked to a few guests. The that we just love comfort, don't we? Humans just love comfort, mm. no matter what it is in like whatever we do. Like we love picking the easiest thing, and I think that's why so many people get attracted to CrossFit because they see people doing you know, a mixture of Olympic lifting, gymnastics, and having an engine like nothing else. You know, that looks the hardest thing you can ever do as an athlete. And it's not just that, but yeah, like you said, business. It's like you know, oh look, I've made it. I'm at the top. You know, there's still so much more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Why? Always be learning. Yeah, 100%. Now, on the business side of things, um, in your eyes, what makes a successful gym? What are some of the things that you learn makes things a, sex, a successful gym, like business-wise? Yeah, I think, um, especially in our, in our sense, um, having a really good mentor was, like, one of the first things that we ever did. And the things that that mentor taught us were, you know, there's lots of lessons, but it was all working on ourselves. So um, essentially it was like valuing yourself and what you offer to other people um, because we had never sold a gym membership to someone. We'd always, um, you know, gone to the spare parts store and asked the spare parts person for a, you know, a new radar bloody whatever and chucked it in the helicopter and away it flies. And, you know, that's our job done. So to ask someone to invest in you as their coach um, was something where we had to um, value ourselves and what we actually did 
and how we could help that person and transform their life and, and the way they look at exercise and training. Uh, and then after that, um, after learning a bit of the sales and valuing ourselves, it uh, became uh, like how to systemize that and get some processes around that so that we could, you know, have other people join the team and, and be coaches on our team to deliver the same thing um, with the same passion and enthusiasm that we had. The people and, that share your message, your values and your mission. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. like hiring other people. Um, but I think for, for someone who, uh, like for someone listening to this, I guess, who um, wants, like is thinking about opening a gym or, or even for you yourself, like we've talked about you um, being, being in the fitness industry and, and opening a gym <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's like if it's something you're really, really passionate about and you just love teaching it and you teach it for free, that's really cool because people see that in you and that's just something that is like a, it's just par for the course, I believe in the fitness space. Cause if you don't have that and you, um, uh, how do you say it? Like it's um, like, well, people will see through it if it's not a true passion of yours. Like people will see, Oh, he's just doing this for some cash or he's just doing it because yeah. it's like an easy business to run. But if you're super passionate about what you do and what you teach and what you provide for others, yeah, um, yeah, combined with valuing yourself and charging enough for your services and then um, having a mentor who's going to steer you in the right direction for, for business practices, then, um, yeah, I think there, there are a few things that people uh, can have a think about before they open a business. Yeah, and those little things. I mean, especially you mentioned the, you know, the free stuff. It's like, um, you know, for example, like, you know, you see a lot of times on social media, like the marketing side of things of quote unquote, you know, gym or fitness influencers, but they, they're doing well. And I remember I talked to someone about it, it's like, you know, I give away this free stuff because I care and it's because I want people to have a look, give them the tools and then they can take that next step with me. You know, you almost like, well, exactly what you said, you decurrentize it, if that's the word. It's just that yeah. value of the actual service itself of what they're giving to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, the fitness space is really bad for that. It's um, like you, you don't go to a restaurant and ask for a free dinner the first time you go there and then say, oh, sweet, yeah, I'll come back next week and sign up for a dinner each week. Um, you go there and they provide you a service and you pay for it. Um, there's a f- you know, there's few industries where you provide a service and it's given for free at a point in time. Um, you know, software or technology companies or something like that, fair enough, because they have such a scale, they can afford to do that as a marketing strategy. Um, But early on in business, we learned that um, if you're providing time and value for a person, then um, you need to be charging them for that time um, because you are providing value. And people honestly value it much more if they're paying for it. If you get something for free, you throw it in the bin, right? Um, You know, like I... I got, you know, these sticky notes for free. Like I just chuck them in the bin. Whereas if you paid for a personal training session, you show up. So you have accountability, you value it and you'll listen bloody heavily to that thing and you'll get some good results because you follow it. Yeah, you said so, the first one, it's pretty much accountability, isn't it? Like you look yeah. at your bank statement, you see whack, a hundred bucks a week or whatever coming out of your account. You're going to make the most of it. Like you're going to want, it's like yeah. anything. It's like yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah. And um, like by no means am I saying that um, people shouldn't give away free stuff Mm. Um, like we we do as well. Um, But they're they're things which can be mass marketed. So it's like a travel workout guide or a nutrition book or something like this for 
people or our podcast um, as an example like we don't have that monetized um, we might at some point with some you know ads or something like that on there from a company who who we connect with and, and really vibe with mm. but in terms of like getting into the ears of people and like we've had people sign up at the gym from listening to the podcast so they listen to you know six or eight hours of us yabbering on about whatever <laughs> training wise and um and then, yeah, it was actually quite funny. The girl who called from listening to that, she's like, is this Sean? Yeah, it is. Like, yeah, you're the one that's on the podcast. She's like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe I'm talking to you. It's like my, like, super micro celebrity moment. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. me. I'm the podcast guy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, delivering a bit of free value is really good to, to get people to have a bit of trust and rapport in what you are saying and doing and, and that you could deliver value if they did pay for it. Um, but then, yeah, if they're using, you know, if they're using some of our resources in the gym and I'm paying a coach to coach them for a session, um, then they need to be remunerated. Like my coach doesn't work for free and my rent doesn't get paid on goodwill. So, um, running a, running a business needs to have that. So, yeah. Yeah. Now in regards to, you touched on just then the podcast itself, what kind of got you guys thinking about getting into podcasts? What do you enjoy about it? I mean, in, in, in doing, delivering podcasts itself? Yeah, that's, that's another good question. It started as a really, um, it started as a really selfish thing, to be honest, because when we first opened the gym, we'd always get the same questions from people when they first began. Um, what's going to happen in my first 30 days? Um, how do I, you know, name all the movements that we do in CrossFit? Like what's a thruster and what's a pull up and what's a clean and all this stuff like snatches, like all the terminology um what do i do if i get a niggle can i still train and can you still modify workouts for me um so we just heard all these questions a lot of times over the course of starting the gym so we just wanted to put it in our um, initial email sequence so when clients join the gym they get a, a sequence of about 25 to 30 emails over the first sort of month or two from me and it just provides all this information and the podcast just went into that as the start and from there, we'd just get more questions and every class we run, there's another question or something that comes up with people. So we just wanted to answer that question if one person asked for everyone. And that was a good way to scale that instead of having individual conversations. Um, then over time, it, um, we stopped hosting it just on our website and put it onto Spotify and iTunes and that type of thing. Um, again, from feedback from our clients, because for them, it was really hard to listen to a web page when they were driving in their car. Yeah. Like they'd have to hold the, have the phone like open and listening to it yeah. um, rather than being on an app and it just Bluetoothing and stuff. So yeah, just through more feedback and, and more people asking us to do certain things that we just iterated and changed it. And now I think we're up to like episode 138 or 140 or something. So, yeah, it's cranking along now. And now we get hit up by all sorts of people to do all sorts of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. And we're reaching out to lots of people, just like you are too. You reach out to 10 and maybe one person gets back, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's the so, thing that comes with that. But, you know, the cool thing that you said about that is that it almost gives your community at the gym a little bit more kind of connection somewhat. Like, okay, what else yeah, can definitely. I from the boys this week? You know, or, you know, these are people who come up who seem well, most of the demographic pretty committed, pretty keen, and they just want to they're eager. They're eager to find out what's next. And, you know, it gives them that other aspect of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too, because um, 
we also get the um, we have in our gym what's called a member of the year and being um and and when we first started it was just one person because we didn't have many clients now we're at a stage where we've got you know lots of guys and girls so we give a male and a female member of the year and an award at the end of the year or when the gym's birthday happens and uh it's based on whoever uh displays our values um or whoever you know clearly defines and displays our values to everyone else so um, for us, um, being military guys, we had lots of values shoved down our throats as as sailors and soldiers and stuff. Um, so we formed them for the gym. So a positive attitude, determination, having fun, and integrity. So they're four things that people or clients of ours, we want them to display. So positive attitude is just seeing things as an opportunity um, with a growth mindset or a glass half full. Uh, determination. Um, we don't lie about our training program. It's going to be bloody hard, like, because that's what makes us better. If it challenges us, it changes us and makes us better people physically or mentally. Um, uh, so what I say, um, positive attitude, determination, uh, integrity is um, doing the right thing all of the time, even when no one's watching. So just because the coach isn't watching you, you don't shave reps off the workout. You don't... Um, you know, decrease your movement integrity or quality um, because no one's looking at you and um, and skim a few squats short um, just so you can get done faster than the person next to you. Um, you do it to the best of your ability. Uh, and then having fun is just part of being in a community. Um, you know, these other people are here to better themselves as well, um, just like you are. So you obviously share the same mindset. Um, so you may as well have fun while you're doing something hard together. Um, if you're not having fun while you're doing it, um, this probably isn't the place for you. Um, yeah. Maybe find something else that you do have fun with because CrossFit isn't the training program for everyone and our gym isn't the gym for everyone. Yeah, um, yeah whatever you have fun with. Like if you apply the other three values yeah. um, and then have fun to you is by doing Pilates, then go and do bloody Pilates. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good thing that you point out is that because in Australia, we're such a massive, massive fitness market that kind of finding and this for anyone listening like kind of finding your niche and your, your your fitness thing that you enjoy and go towards something geared towards that you know and they're based in the gym's values i believe or or whatnot yeah. you know just go towards whatever's geared towards you and the gym that can take that on board you know they'll get the people that they kind of want there i mean i don't know if you agree with that but that's how i feel i perceive that yeah yeah definitely and like just because um, you know, like our training's hard, and a lot of people have asked over the years, um, you know, has F45 or Orange Theory or, or these franchise fitnesses like have they you know cannibalised your business? And to me, it's actually been really good. Um, I you know personally have a bit of a joke about them, and and I call those sorts of no, um, yeah. franchises, yeah, the, they're the McDonald's of fitness. Um, because they're very, you know, systemized, they're process driven, they've got, you know, teenagers running the classes, so they can pay a minimum wage, they do movements, which don't really require that much coaching, you can literally just be cued and taught off a TV screen. Yeah, is and, it true that they don't actually hire people with uh, specific credentials? I don't want to start a rumor, but I'm pretty yeah, sure. I've, yeah, I've, I've heard um, a couple of our clients are coaches um, or trainers at F45 gyms, and, um, and they've been told off for trying to use some of the coaching principles uh, that we have in the gym with their that clients. that says it in itself that F45 yeah. coaches are going to a CrossFit gym. 
I mean, if uh, we could say that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, but, let's um, be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. But um, so having those guys as the, the middle ground hasn't been bad for us as a CrossFit gym because we've got people who either don't train at all or go to a normal gym, potentially. They see CrossFit as something that's too hard and F45 or whatever is the middle ground. They're going to go to do that. They're going to get used to training with others, um, paying more for a membership, having to book in for classes and stuff in the current environment um, and, you know, doing it some sort of a high intensity session. So they're building up a bit of volume and adaptation to that style of training rather than either nothing or, um, you know, back and bias, chest and tries type setup. So they do that. They do that for a while. They either get a repetitive injury because they do battle ropes all day for bloody six days a week for a full year. Um, or they just see no progress and they plateau because they don't have um, one of the things that their program um, significantly lacks is the ability to, to weight up movements and scale up movements once people reach a certain fitness because they don't have the heavy weights in there and they don't want to because it's what goes down the path of like people getting injuries and stuff or potentially getting injuries. Um, we don't shy away from that. Like the stuff that we do can cause injuries, which is why it's really important for us to coach people and start slow and build them up. Um, so yeah, there's like a bit of a, a progress of people over time through those different fitness spaces to eventually get to us. And once they do get here and they do a couple of sessions and they realize the importance of the coaching and the, the technicality of some movement and the weight they can actually shift and the strength they can build from doing that, they're fully sold and they don't ever go back to an orange theory or F45. Once people reach the top of the rung, they don't go back down the ladder because they know it's inferior. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. They want to yeah. stay there. And yeah, you know, but like on the other hand, you know, credit to them, they market themselves very well and they've got a specific demographic and you know, mm. they, they do do those things well. Yeah. Um, they found, they found a good place in the market and they've done really well and it's been really good for a business like ours. So I, while, while I might have subtle digs at them for certain things, it, yeah. it in the end has been good for the fitness yeah. industry. Yeah, it's yeah. just grown the, the pie bigger for everyone to to take slices of. Especially in Australia. You know, that's what you want. You want you know, the fitness 100%. improving and making it really competitive because, you know, no one wants someone just flooding the market and dominating and then stuff like that. Yeah, and improved yeah. standards overall, I could just imagine, so that more owners can become more passionate about getting more people in the right training. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, CrossFit, I mean, I'll have a few listeners that might listen to this and they've probably got these old meatball notions that it, <laughs> that it is a, it's a cult or whatever. I've heard that a few times. People you know, not close minds. They just don't know what it is. What would you say yeah. is some of the biggest misconceptions in training in CrossFit? Mate? Yeah. So the first one is injury. And um, and that's, uh, that's due to the nature of what we do. There's some like highly technical movements that we perform in the gym, um, being cleaner jerks, snatches, kipping pull-ups, um, you know, these types of things like rope climbs. Um, sure, like people can definitely get injured, but you can also get injured um, stepping onto the sidewalk and getting hit by a bus and die, you know. There's probably a higher likelihood of that than getting injured in the gym. Um, everything we do is in a controlled environment, so we can choose ourselves, the weight, the repetitions, the things that we do, it's only people's egos that get them injured because they're trying to keep up with someone else. So comparing themselves to others and trying to keep up or they've seen someone else do it. So they think they can do it. 
and generally it's guys um you know guys will come in they'll see a girl lifting a weight and they'll say i have i have to lift more than her little do they realize that she's been training with us for like four years and she can actually clean and jerk her body weight um, because she's done like ten thousand reps of that movement and it's his first day and he tries the same and you know he tweaks his back a bit um so that's that's probably like number one is like don't let your ego write checks your body can't cash yeah um, that's like step number one um number uh misconception number two is like the culty one um like just like anything you do like if you um like say you really enjoyed mma or you really enjoyed soccer or golf like i'm a golfer <laughs> and i get together yeah i get together with my golfing mates and it's all we talk about is like what ball did you hit today um what were you hitting into that hole were you hitting a six iron or five iron like there's all this jargon and talk but it's just because you have a shared passion for a certain thing and i think there's way worse shared passions out there in this <laughs> world than fitness. so if people have a problem with that they can you know shove it where the sun don't shine yeah. in my opinion yeah um, and then, but, yeah it's because you know people it's not that they feel they, they see a strong community aspect in crossfit which is why i love it they see people who genuinely mm-hmm. have good gym and most of them are good community aspect and people getting around each other, celebrating some PBs. You know, that's what it's all yeah. about. You know, that's why people, I think they get a wrong misconception of what it's about, but that's what you want in a gym. <laughs> you want to play. Yeah, yeah. Supportive place. Yeah, supportive and celebrates your accomplishments and doesn't bring you yeah. down and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, I think it's a bit of like Australia's attitude as well. We have a bit of tall poppy in Australia. And Massively. Yeah. Someone, you know, someone doing well will want to chop them down to, to bring them back down to earth. Like we can't let them get too proud of their achievement or, or too happy with what they've done because at the end of the day, they're just another person. So we'll just chop them down and, you know, troll them online or something. Like yeah. it's a pretty bad thing in Australia. In, the, in the States. Yeah, in the States, it's a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I, I see lots of mates, like, you know, gym owners that we're in, in business groups with or um, mates who run podcasts. Um, instead of chopping those people down and saying, like, oh, it's because of bloody this or because you've got this guest on there that, you you know, you did so well, it wasn't even your doing. I'm like, man, how did you do it? Like, you know, share with me how you did that thing because I would really like to achieve that too. That was really cool. Like, you know, how is there anything I can do for you to help you and, and in turn, you can share some of the secrets with me and I can get to there one day too. So um, maybe a bit more of that in our culture would go a long way, especially yeah. with, you know, looking at CrossFit like a cult. Go and do it. Hell, you might even like it. You might surprise yourself. Oh, and I then you'll, you'll be like one of the other, you know, thousands of people in the world who've done it and gone in there and, and actually really enjoyed it and gone, oh, yeah, I don't know why I was talking shit about it for so long because yeah. it's actually good. <laughs> so often hear the story, I think it was... I like when it was my own lifestyle. Like, I love CrossFit, the sport, and got so much respect for it. And I want to get into it and hopefully compete one day. But I heard this podcast and so on, and a few. And it's always the same story that I've heard in my uh, experience that you know, I thought, oh, I'll give it a go as a side thing in sports, something to keep fit. And then I, I finally gave it a go. And then after I was like, fuck, this is sick. I was fucked. But I wanted to keep going. <laughs> and then I was like, what's next? And, you know, it's such a common story that I've heard. And I had that exact same feeling when I finally got to join up with a mate in Geelong and have a session with him. I had that exact same feeling. It was just like, yeah, I definitely want more of this. <laughs> yeah. And well, you're right. You know, just implore people to give it a go. Yeah. The feeling, 
the feeling of accomplishment you have after you know completing a task which at first might seem insurmountable everything and then you do it and you do it with others it's a very military thing and you can see why um, people in the military love this because you know there's a few guys that i was really really close with when i was in and we did this together and sure we we're a bit culty even within our you know cult of the military but they're the ones I had the best bonds with because we had this shared suffering. And even the ones that I went to um, recruit training, because we had that shared suffering together and we mm. overcame something, which at first we thought was really hard. Like that creates some really cool bonds with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, a hundred percent that whole, that whole brotherhood notion you go through to one tech task, you've all got the same common goal. There's nothing better, and there's no better unity in that. You know, a workout, you could work out at a CrossFit gym, any gym. You think it's tough, you're like, oh shit, you know, what's next? And you see it with yeah. like, um, you know, ultra runners, marathon runners, I guess, like they have a bit of a professional community. sporting team. Yeah, yeah, but like everywhere, it's it's that same thing. They all have a common goal in the end, and just trying to help help each other out. It's just that CrossFit's place on this different plethora and within the Australian market, like you said. And it's just that unhealthy, I think. So yeah, anyone who's thinking that will go go try and do it because you won't last. <laughs> yeah. My just on that though, my advice would be um don't just go to the place that offers a free trial. Yeah. Go to a place yeah, go to a place that's actually gonna offer you some coaching and you might have to pay for some personal training to get started in that gym. Um, but if you learn the mechanics of each movement correctly to begin with, one that's scared you know, mindset of yours of getting injured will probably go away because you'll have some sort of knowledge of what to do and you'll start to learn your own capabilities and what you can and can't do. And the coach will have some good input and feedback around that. Um, and once you learn the mechanics correctly at the start, your ability to progress is increased massively. If you move poorly, um, you know, your injury risk goes up, but also you're not going to move as much weight. Like if, if you try and do a clean and jerk by bicep curling it and then strict pressing it, you're gonna, it's going to be really hard. But if you actually do a proper clean and, and then a split jerk, it's technique and mechanics that are required to do that. You're going to lift a lot more weight, which means you're going to be fitter, stronger, faster, more agile, more athletic, probably look better naked because you have all those facets of fitness, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, I always try to think, and you mentioned, you pretty much hit it now, it's like beginner's mentality, put the ego away and start fresh and don't act like you, you can do it. And yeah. Like that real, that learner's mentality. It's like, look, I'm starting from zero. I'm a sponge. Give it to me. Kind of thing. Yeah. They're the ones that we've seen as the most successful in our gym. And yeah. And to be honest, they're, they're always the people who are the most um, humble and secure in what they do and what they've achieved. Um, so I can think of two really good examples. One guy, is, uh, he is now leaving his job, but he was the director of a, a huge, uh, huge construction company that did in the order of like the hundreds of millions of dollars of business a year. And they like own shopping centers and stuff and, and lease them to people. So huge business. Um, but his ability just to be another person in the room and be humble enough to take coaching and instruction from someone who, you know, society doesn't say is as, as elite as him and his, what he does. Um, but his progress over time has been significant. Like it's been massive. Yeah. Um, and then another guy is, uh, he's looking at becoming a partner um, or, or like a, you know, right up there in KPMG. Um, and most people have probably heard of the accounting firm there, but he, like his mindset around stuff is like 
always just learn one new thing for the day, set an intention for the day to get something better out of it or, or improve on one little piece of this. Because I know if I improve one little piece of this today and tomorrow and the next day, in six months' time, I might actually realize what that improvement was. And it could be a muscle up or yeah. a clean and jerk of your body weight or two times your body weight, whatever the task is. But um, just that sort of a mindset. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I completely agree. Completely. <laughs> um, in regards to the, you know, the, the fitness industry, I mean, we'll talk CrossFit and the fitness industry broadly. Do you think there's going to be many changes to come in place following the pandemic? Uh, if so, what are they? Yeah, I thought there'd be more now, to be honest. I think um, I think the, the government went pretty hard, and this is just my opinion, but I think the government went pretty hard on the JobKeeper in areas like New South Wales um, and, and people that perhaps didn't have the best business practices and, you know, didn't have you know, mentors and stuff, helping them out with good systems and processes and money management and this type of thing. Um, they probably got a lifeboat a bit bigger than what they should have to get them through in JobKeeper and stuff. Um, because in the end, we, it was only 12 weeks and, and any business coach will tell you, you need to have at least three to six months of, um, you know, expenses and revenue sitting there to get you through. So, you know, some of them, I feel like probably should have gone under that got, that got really helped out. Yeah. Um, but that that's just my opinion and, and what I think. Um, so unfortunately, some kept kept going, um, and they're probably not the ones that are, are the best examples for people. Um, but I I think there's been lots of good things. Um, we've made some great changes in our gym. Um, we've been to double down, uh, been able to double down on our promise of delivering coaching to people. So instead of just being a you know 20 25 people in a class and one coach. It's now for any technical classes that involve Olympic lifting or gymnastics or, or things which require some skill and, and you're going to lift heavy and, and push hard. Um, the most people is 10 to one coach. So as we come to 20 people in a class, you're going to have two coaches there, which is just doubling the time that you get with a coach, you know. Um, the, the booking system, so having to book into classes is just another level of accountability. It's just telling someone that you're going to show up at a certain time and actually holding you accountable to it. Um, uh, our attendance has gone through the roof in um, changing from a, a lot of gyms to an unlimited membership. So you pay 50, 70, 100 bucks a week and you come in either once or 10 times and it's the same price. You're just a member of that gym. Uh, we've now moved to um, meeting people where they're at with what they can do with their training. So some people can only train two times a week. So they just pay for two times a week. It's a little more expensive if you train three. It's a little more expensive if you train four or more times a week. So it's a sliding scale. So uh, a lot of our clients now when they come in, they're not up for the, the more expensive membership. They do a little bit of time at the at lesser membership and come in two times a week, build a really good habit and routine and accountability to showing up. And then they can progress up the ladder. So, um, I mean, the, the opportunity for us has been to implement that, which has been awesome. Like our attendance is massively through the roof. We've got way more clients coming in way more consistently from doing that. Yeah. Um, the real cool thing yeah. I saw a lot of gyms doing um, was the equipment home pack stuff. I thought that was yeah. cool. I thought we'd put yep. people... And then, like, obviously, I'm just thinking not without knowing much of the scope with it, like insurance companies and, I know, and stuff like that being on board with that, probably letting them, I know, in a sense. You know, I was just thinking in that sense, you know, they were allowing people to do that and taking on the equipment. 
stuff. You know, that was cool. Little packages for people to keep yeah. at home. You know, that was a real cool yeah. thought. I think um, just for the consumer as well, like it's been a, a really good time of, um, of realizing that you don't actually need to go to the gym five times a week and flog yourself to get, you know, good quality training sessions in. Like some of our clients have actually decreased the amount of time they train um, and they've, you know, gone back to playing golf once a week and swimming on the other day. So they have five days of activity, three of them are in the gym and two of them are doing active things outside, which we yeah, really promote. Great point now. Um, yeah. I know Garmin went yeah. to Garmin Oahu and that went through the roof, like, yeah. and, and stuff like that. More people probably running and wanting trackers, which is a good thing. You actively want people going outside, you know, in a, in a way. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Like, it's... um. It's one thing to to train in the gym and build your fitness and strength and aesthetics, but it's another thing to celebrate that by going and playing a sport that you really enjoy and get like real joy from and your body being more capable in that thing that you enjoy playing so you can be better at it. Mm. Um, or, you know, running around with the kids or going for a swim and not worrying about drowning when you do your 10th lap. Um, yeah. <laughs> because, of, you know, you, you're fitter from doing the stuff in the gym. So yeah that that for me is um it's part of my why actually why i train is to like i don't ever want to have um a limitation put on me by um not being able to do it or not being fit or strong enough to do it yeah. if like someone invites me to do a tough mutter or something like that i don't want it to be me having to say no because i can't do it physically or mentally i want to say no because i just choose not to do it like yeah. i want the choice to be mine that's the reason why I train is so I have choices to do yeah. stuff. And that kind of filters down, you know, I completely agree. And, you know, to just like health, feeling healthy, yeah. having a good motor and waking up each day, you know, feeling confident in my body and rid myself of disease. Like, like you know, my parents are probably the most healthy people. And I think I get frustrated with that. And it's like, you know, knowing each day that you know, I'm feeling good, I'm, I'm getting up, I'm making the most of the body that I've been given and, been blessed with yeah. you know, like we talked about last time I was, a, I was a big kid and exactly that i can relate to that it was stuff i just couldn't do because I, my body just wouldn't allow myself to do it um I think how, that's a big, how did big it make problem. you how did it make you feel when you had to say no because you couldn't do it oh shit <laughs> like very good yeah. yeah yeah it's the same thing and i'm happy you brought that up with the you know not having that choice you know you knew you know, i mean yeah. i get like a you know the beat test and um I didn't want to do it. I did not want to do it. And I remember this one time, I got like 3.6, which is not quick. It's nothing. Oh. And, um, you know, it was barely a choice. You know, I think the option was always going to end that way. So, you know, stuff like that kind of stuck out to me. Um, I think, well, you know, I don't want to be able to go out and go run 20Ks without no worries. And, you know, it's just stuff like that. You know, if I get asked or to join in a run with someone or to do whatever it is, um, yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't want people, I don't want people to like listen to it and go like, oh, sure, like you wouldn't just be able to do a marathon tomorrow and like crush it. <laughs> oh yeah, like, I'm not saying, um, like I'm not saying I would excel at any specific physical task. I'm just saying like I could run, I'd probably run and walk a little bit and run, but I'd be able to do a marathon if I really wanted to. Wanted to, um, yeah. 
yeah, but I'd be sore. Like it would hurt yeah. and I'd be sore and it would be really hard and I probably wouldn't be able to do it in sub four hours, like yeah. a decent marathon yeah. time. Like you're um, giving your body every, like because you're so fit and healthy and why you train, you're giving your body every chance to do so, which is why exactly. I think people need to value their health, I guess, a bit more if they can. Yeah. yeah. And it's um like a, it's one thing which I, I hope the fitness industry changes around it one day is, um, rather than being um, a, a punishment for the poor choices you make, either nutritionally or whatever, um, and you're flogging your body to undo those things, oh. you're, actually, you're actually celebrating what your body can do and can achieve mm. physically and mentally by doing these, these things that challenge you and make you better. So, yeah. yeah, we've got to become a little bit more selfish, I think, you know, in that way. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Like, um, Celebrate what you can do rather than going out drinking and saying, oh, I have to do, I have to burn a thousand calories tomorrow because I drank a bottle of Moe on the weekend and yeah. that was a thousand calories. Like that's, that to me is like, um, you know, jumping out of your, your boat, your high performance mm. boat and just treading water. And then on the weekends, like drowning a bit and then on the week coming just above yeah. water. So then you can drown again. Um, like, wouldn't you rather be on the, the side of things where you're actually in a speedboat and you're not even worrying about treading water and just no. building that boat to be the fastest thing it can be. No, I'd be issue with that too. It's like, you know, almost knowing that, you know, I can, I've put myself in this position. I'm proud that I can go, you know, drink a bottle of bubbly or whatever, have a few beers with the mates every few weeks, you know, or sensibly. Yeah. And, you know, I'm proud that I can do that. It's going to do yeah. more harm thrashing yourself in the gym trying to burn a thousand calories. I completely Yeah. Yeah, yeah un, undoing poor lifestyle choices. It's just a mindset shift. Um, a lot of a lot of people don't even see it that way or they don't see themselves do it either. And like in our initial consult with people, I sort of ask them that question. Like, so are you the kind of person who um, needs to move or are you motivated by moving away from pain and like, you know, flogging yourself to undo the bad stuff that you've done? So your motivation is moving away from that or is it moving towards pleasure and... Um, like celebrating what your body can do and achieve and stuff like that. Are you motivated by like doing more pull-ups and doing this and doing that? Or is it to, to undo negative things? Yeah. And most people like, um, especially recently, they've been like, wow, like I can't believe you asked that. They're like, I, I've actually been on the other side, but hearing you talk now, like I want to be celebrating the stuff that I can do. I want to like be able to be proud of what I can, can achieve and can do in the gym and like get better at it. Not just like you know, slowly drowning each week, yeah. or weekend with, with shitty choices. Yeah. So yeah, once I, I hope that sort of aspect around training changes. And to be honest, it, it's not really going to change that much unless people stop throwing out these challenges and stuff because that sort of just fuels that mindset. Yeah. And, you know, the, so if challenges get people into a good state and then they find something that can um, be sustainable and long term for them, I'm all for it. But to continuously do them as a means to market and pump in a few members and do it every now and then. Like, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Now, if you were to flashback and have a conversation with Sean back when he was 17, 18, what would you tell him so far? Uh, oh, man. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> we could just write yeah. off that podcast if that was the answer. <laughs> no, I, I definitely wouldn't say that. I'd, um, yeah, and to any young person, um, I would just say, like, 
if if it's something you really want to do and you're really passionate about it and you like just really love doing it and being there and like doing that thing, whether it's fitness or accounting or something, um, just be the best at it as possible. Just be better than everyone else at it. Be the best you can be. And then hopefully that's better than everyone else and just go for it. And don't listen to what other people say in terms of like, you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that because that's just them putting their limiting beliefs onto you. So if you really believe in it and you think that it's going to work for you, um, especially when you're young, double down on that stuff and just go for it. Because like the way I looked at it when I was you know, 26, 27 and opening the gym was if this doesn't work, then I've still got like 40 years that I can go back to working on helicopters. <laughs> like, you know, that, if that's a worst case scenario, like sure, that'd be shit, but I'd hate to die and regret not giving it a crack. So yeah don't don't listen to the doubters and the haters because we we had a few of them as well and um yeah and they'll be one of the first to be like oh i can't believe it actually worked for you guys (laughs) yeah yeah that's a a great message i think especially now in these current times for young kids and kids that age to listen to yeah for sure sean if anyone listening to this uh want to get in contact with you boys well how what's the best way to do so or to scope you out or anything like that yeah, well, if people are in Sydney, they can come and check out our gym. Um, we're, we're in Balmain, so I'm always happy to show people around and have a chat to them and, and you know, share a bit more of our journey and, and what we do here. Um, but, yeah, the I guess there's a few different means. Like, if, if people want to go down that route, they can um, go to acceleratestrength.com.au, which is just our website, and, and have a look there. Um, if they liked what I talked about and, and the message that I sort of talked about here and, and sort of agreed with some of the points and um, we talk a lot in a lot more detail and uh, on our podcast so you can check out the the accelerate strength podcast um, or if if social media is your thing and you just want to follow us along on there then um, you can check out yeah at accelerate strength is the gym's instagram and um, i'm a lot less um, frequent in my posting on my personal one um, but yeah it's just sean.dyakoff if you can spell it, you'll find me. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure you'll probably put a link to it or something else. So people might be able to find that. But, um, yeah, man, that's that's me. Pretty simple. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate you giving up your time. It was a wonderful episode and conversation. Thanks, mate. No drama. It's a pleasure. Hopefully, we can do it again one day. For sure. For sure. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. Quick shout out to my man Michael Peters, the man behind the camera, and also big, big love to 3 PC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible, so big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at a chat with Pat on Instagram, subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes, and please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe, and all my love, guys. You.